you, worship team. I hope you guys are singing along in your living rooms and wherever you're watching. It's a chance for us to worship as the church. All of those songs really deal with our foundation, our foundation of hope and, and who we trust and, and that we know that God is in control. And, and that's really what I think the opportunity is for the church is we have hope, we know who we can trust, and, and so this is an opportunity not to freak out, not to panic, as if you watch any news you're seeing all the time, but it's an opportunity to use this for God's glory. Because He is using this for His glory. Make no mistake, He will not waste this. He is using this for His glory. You know, we, we as a church had to make some decisions this week. It feels like a whole month went by in the last six days as we had to cancel this and cancel that and new orders came out. And I know you were following along and and trying to figure out if you could work, if you couldn't work, if you could go out of your bedroom, if you had supplies for the next month. But know that we're figuring it out. And today we're trying live stream. It's sort of weird to be talking to a mostly empty auditorium and worship center and um, just really a chance, though, for us to still be the church even though we're dispersed. If you think about it, Village isn't just in Garden Grove this morning. Village is in a whole bunch of cities this morning, in a whole bunch of neighborhoods, a whole bunch of houses. But know that we miss you. We miss getting together because God has ordained the church for his glory to worship and study God's word. And there's something special about being together. So right now we're we're, we're not. We're not able to. Wish I had pictures of you in all the seats, but I know where most of you sit, so I can pray for you and and think of you, look at you during the sermon. Um, But remember we're here. And any of the pastors, any of the elders, you can call us anytime. You can email us anytime, message us, because we're still the church and we're still praying. And if you have prayer requests, please post those. If you have needs and and are able to meet those needs, post that as well. I've already seen that happening on our Facebook group. Um, Just amazing how God is bringing us together as a church. I can't count the times I've seen what Satan intends for evil and for, for his purposes, that God just completely reverses that and uses that for him. So also during this time, it's a great time to be intentional, right? We can be intentional about connecting with each other. You, you don't have much else to do, so why not connect? And so get on Facebook, get on Zoom or Google Meets or whatever it is, um, video chat. They have this thing called a phone. You can actually pick up and call people and talk. It's really cool. Um, but let's do that. Let's make sure we're connecting. We're sensitive to each other's needs. Also, as, as Pastor AJ said, we're going to be doing Rooted Online, where every couple of days we'll put another devotional up. And we're going to read through First Peter together. A great chance to read through God's instruction to a church that was dispersed and a church that was going through a troubling time. So we're going to read through that together, find encouragement in God's Word. This morning, we're doing a live stream, as, as you know, because you're watching. And just how do you make a live stream work in your home And I would just encourage a couple things. Gather together and make this a time where you're sitting and gathered and watching together. So this isn't a time to be running around and eating or whatever, but treat this like a church service, like you've come and and we're focused on it together. Open your Bible and have it in front of you. Moms and dads, this is a great opportunity to be discipling your kids and open it with them. Um, I also, so so remove all distractions. Um, On the website, If you look on the right side, there's a sidebar. You can download the current worship folder. You can download the sermon notes because you weren't here this morning to get them. And so you can download those, print those. And I I believe the parent page for our children's ministry is on there too. Use those as resources. But let's be intentional during this time. This morning, where I want to go is actually continue 1 Thessalonians. And the idea is we're we're in a section talking about Paul's ministry, right? Right? He's talked about his motivation for ministry, and now he's going to get into how to do ministry together. And the reason I want to continue this is we know the hope that's in us. We know the firm foundation we have. So now this is a time for the church to mobilize and be about God's purposes. This is a time for us to minister to each other in our homes, a time for us to minister to our neighbors, a time for us to be intentional about doing that. And there's going to be all kinds of openness in this world right now to hearing about spiritual things that wasn't there a month ago. And so can we as a church take advantage of this time and use it for God's glory and minister? And I believe absolutely we can. It's what we're called to do. And so this morning, 
uh, if this isn't going to be a message of let's sit on our couch and feel a little better. This is going to be a message of saying, let's get up and find ways to use this crisis for God's glory. And let's not, let's not miss this. Let's not miss this opportunity. You know, moms and dads, how are you surviving? How are you surviving this week? Kids home for a week if you have kids. And um, many of you are now homeschooling. Don't worry, it's just my normal cough. <laughs> um, we're isolated. And, and that's hard. And I know that there are added pressures when the whole family is together for a week at a time. And, and you're navigating things that we have never had to navigate as people before. We, we've never had to do this. And so we're praying for you. And we're isolated. We're not here together. This is like an introvert's dream. But um, we're learning from you. And, and we're going to do this. But moms and dads, you're leading. You're leading your homes. And you've got this. You, you were made for this. And especially, God has created moms and dads, male and female. He created us from the dawn of creation with different strengths and different abilities to come together to bring the family together. And it's those different strengths that reflect God's image and that Paul in the next section of 1 Thessalonians is going to draw on that for ministry. And how do we minister well in difficult times? How do you minister well to your neighbors? How do you minister well to the co-workers that maybe or maybe you're not seeing right now? And, and so Paul is going to use moms and dads and this whole family metaphor of how God created us different, but both actively involved in ministry He's going to use those two metaphors to teach us how to minister well. And he's going to do that through his example. As he's talking to the church at Thessalonica, he's defending a little bit of his ministry. He's saying, no, this is real. This is, we came to you, even though we got kicked out after a few weeks, we really cared about you. We were really ministering to you. And he's going to use moms and dads in his example. So this morning, I want to learn from Paul's example. I want to, I want to listen to what he says Listen to how he said he did ministry because that becomes a blueprint for how we should do ministry. You know, we're all familiar with what moms and dads do. Even if you don't have kids, you probably had a mom or a dad, right? And so we're familiar with the different things they do. And so this week we'll look at especially how Paul says ministry is like a mom nurturing her young. And next week we'll look at how Paul says ministry is like a dad. The, the, the thing that I keep saying, and I said this last week, and I say this now this week, this section isn't just for paid staff at a church. This section is for every believer because we are all called our, to use our gifts to serve. We are all called to be servants. We are all called to be ministers. We are all ambassadors for Christ. Now you're doing it in your neighborhood, and you're, you're doing it in your home, but we are all ministers. So, so how should we minister? What tone should it look like? Leadership, especially when you think leadership in this world, there's all kinds of different ideas of leadership. Sometimes leadership is viewed as you should have this strong persona and just beat down every opposition. And and unfortunately, that's sometimes the view we get of leadership, and it's really, really bad. Sometimes we view leadership as just leading the way, and we don't even care if someone's following because, hey, I'm going to be first. And and that's that's not being a leader. That's taking a walk. And and so Paul here is going to say, how do we bring relationally ideas into ministry that make it effective? That make it effective. Last week, we looked at the motivations for ministry. That Paul said, don't let anything stop you from ministry. Don't be careful of ministry. Don't let error or your own agenda or manipulation get in ministry. But the grand theme was everything is to please God. Everything is to please God. And just because we're on quarantine doesn't mean we can't stop or that, that we stop pleasing God. We will find ways to please Him, to worship Him. And so today we look at traits of motherhood. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We have it on YouTube as well. Not YouTube, version. Um, the notes are on version. but open your Bibles or your apps. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're just going to look at three verses today, 7 through 9, as we think about how to minister in difficult times. I'd like to just read the three verses and then we'll break them down a little bit. I'll start at verse 6, one verse early. Paul writes, Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, 
but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. Let's just pray that God would use his word. Lord God, I pray that you would challenge us with your word this morning. That you would take these three verses and equip us to be ministers even in this difficult time. To reach out to people, to the, the checkers at the grocery store, to our neighbors. Lord, use this to challenge us to be about your work and not just shut down. Lord, thank you for your word. In your name, amen. This morning we're going to look at four things out of that text. Four principles or four ways to minister to others in difficult times. First comes out of verse 7. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And the first point is we should minister with gentleness and genuine care. Be gentle and caring. We should minister with gentleness and genuine care. Now, now sometimes we hear the word gentle and we're like, oh, no, no, that's, that's a very weak word. And, and sometimes it's translated weak, meekness, which sometimes we think of weakness. Meekness and gentleness are not weak. They are actually a strong word that represents power under control. If you think about it, power out of control is easy. Power under control is hard, and that's gentleness. It's saying we have power, we have authority, but it's under control and being directed exactly how God wants it to be directed. I love the imagery of a bridled horse for gentleness. A horse is a powerful creature, could crush you or I at, at, at any moment. But when they're, when they're trained with the bridle on, even a child can take and move that, that horse in any direction and move that horse forward. That is gentleness, power under control. And, and quite frankly, this isn't how I would expect Paul to start defending his ministry. We're gentle? Really? But when we start to think of it as power, when we start to think of it as a way to, to take what God has given us and minister well, then we start to think gentleness. The word for gentle there could mean as, as an infant or a child as well. And the idea is that we lower ourselves, not to abuse status or power, as Paul talked about in the prior verse. We lower ourselves to, to be able to communicate and reach people where they're at. The idea would be if, if we're talking to a child and and I know Mathia's here this morning. And so, Mathia, if I was to talk to you, I'd probably get down like this, right? Because I would be talking to your level. But if I'm standing there going, yeah, and then you should do this, you'd be like, ah. You'd be afraid of me. You might be already. But um, that's gentleness. That's the imagery Paul is saying is we came down to your level. We didn't expect you to be adults but we were understanding, we were caring for you. Like, like a baby talking to a baby. Bruce Barton writes about gentleness. Gentleness means love in action. Serving, being considerate, meeting the needs of others, allowing time for the other person to talk. That's hard. And being willing to learn. All of those things are gentleness. Now, now think about the culture we're in right now and, and everything going on. Most of our interactions are on social media. Social media is the platform that opposes gentleness like no other, right? And so this is not the time to get angry over social media. This is not the time to be right about everything and correct everybody on social media. And I'm talking to myself. It's hard. You see a post come through and you're like, that's wrong. I have five reasons why that's wrong. Ha! I win! Village, that's not gentleness. That is not how we minister during this time. People are afraid. People are trying to figure this out. This is, like I said, this is the first pandemic any of us have navigated. Let's show a little grace. Let's show a little love. Your, your neighbor might be inside and, and afraid to even go to the door. Find ways to minister anyway. Don't try to discount what they're doing. Other, another neighbor might be out and, and like in your personal space and you're like, ah, six feet, let's make it 12. Let's show some grace. You're going to hear posts online that this is nothing, that this is all just a contrived panic. You're going to hear other posts online that say we'll be lucky if we're alive tomorrow. 
Show grace. Point them to Christ. We don't have to point their errors out to say where our hope is, where our foundation is. And so Paul starts, but we were gentle among you. We talked at your level. We weren't overbearing. And the the next phrase there, among you. And, And the wording there is that we didn't hover over you as apostles, but we lived life with you. We were with you day to day, side by side. And then he goes on to use the imagery of a nursing mother, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And we've had a lot of babies here at Village. I've gotten to see a lot of you moms care for your child and and just nurture them in so many ways. And it is precious, isn't it? There There is nothing like that. That's the imagery Paul is saying for how we should try to minister. With that same care, with that same affection... You know, I, I remember when, when Susie would take care of ours when they were young and, and the little coos and, and oohs and ahs and just the, the bonding that was there. That's the picture Paul said that ministry should be. It's not a cold distancing, but a coming together to nurse, to, to give food, to raise them, to care about them. The word here is used for, for a wet nurse. So they, they would have nurses come in sometimes for the, the rich and they would nurse their children for them if they had just had a, a baby themselves. And that's why Paul says like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. And the idea is that, okay, it's one thing to take care of someone else's child, but it is completely different when it's yours. And, and that's the picture of ministry. It's, it, it's saying ministry isn't to be distant Ministry isn't like, well, I'm doing this for other people. Ministry brings people into our family, to our circle, and loves them and cares about them. It's, it's a beautiful family metaphor for ministry. It's coming together and, and thinking not only of your family as family, but the church family that's scattered as family. How can you nurture them? It's thinking of your neighbor as family. Sometimes the neighbor that you really don't care for. And saying, you know what? I'm going to treat them as one of my own children, one of my own family. You know, another part of this is a mom, when she's nursing, has to watch what she eats, right? You have to watch your own input so that way you can nourish, that you can feed. And so there's an imagery here of taking care of self and making sure you have God's word coming in and making sure we are remembering where the foundation is. But the other imagery in this whole verse, when we think of a nursing child, when we think of being gentle, you know, I've never seen a mom of an infant start yelling at their infant for why they're not using a fork. Right? Why aren't you using a fork? Why aren't you eating meat? Come on! Grow up! Here's a spoon. No, we don't do that because that's, that's silly. That's not where they're at. And that's the imagery Paul is also bringing into this of gentleness that that we're not expecting more than we should. I've got to say, if your neighbors don't know Christ, they're going to act like they don't know Christ. It's really a, a common and understandable principle. And so don't get mad at them for not acting like Christ. Show them who Christ is. Make them ask, why aren't you worried? Make them ask, why... Can you still smile? Why are you enjoying time as a family? I think of even the disciples and Jesus. How many times did the disciples blow it with Jesus? And he just kept loving them and training them and bringing them along. And he would correct and he would instruct, but he never stopped loving them and being with them. So we want to be patient. We want to understand where people are. You know, again, I, th- I think this is so um, particular to moms. And I, I watch, and I watch moms and dads, how they hold babies. And it is completely different. And, and I don't know why it is, even dads that are at home with them all the time and caring for them all the time, we, we hold babies differently because we're made different with different strengths. And how a mom nurtures and cares is the imagery Paul is using. We're to minister with gentleness and care. And this isn't just Paul. In Isaiah 66, 13, as God is comforting His people who have been in exile, 
it says, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. And this is Yahweh speaking. This is God speaking. So I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And God says he's like a mom comforting. And I get that. When, when my kids are hurt, they will run by me to get to mom. I'm like, I'm, I'm here. They're like, Dad, you just want to amputate whatever's wrong. But mom has a special way of caring. Now, now gentleness and care, we, we have to understand this in terms of that doesn't mean we sacrifice truth. That doesn't mean we sacrifice instruction. One illustration I, I heard, especially when we were talking about taking care of our own children and, and the imagery there, it's sort of like a bird on a nest, right? A, a mama bird on the nest, and you're to care for gently and cherish, but there's a balance there. We could, we could stand on principles and we could get harsh with people and say, you're wrong, and we can do this with our own kids and have an iron fist, and it's sort of like sitting too hard on the nest. What happens when you sit too hard on the nest? You break the eggs. I'm going to assume you're all talking from your living rooms. You, you, you break the eggs. Or we could say, I'll just let them do what they want. I'm not going to discipline. We'll just talk to them and talk them through it. I'm not going to discipline bad behavior or, or whatever. Is that, and this is where culture is at today. And parenting, I'm so concerned about where it's going today because that principle is like the, the not sitting on the nest at all and letting the eggs get cold and letting them die. We've got to find that balance. We're to discipline, as God's Word says, but we're to love and do it in gentleness. So what does it mean to minister in this way, with gentleness? I I think one of the things for me, especially I can be very task-oriented sometimes, is to pay more attention to gentleness than the goal. If if my whole mind is, I'm going to get you thinking the way you should, like I do, um, if that's my whole mindset, then... I'm going to lose gentleness. But if my mindset is I'm going to understand and care for you and gently teach the truth to you, that's a whole different way. So, so we can't be focused on the task of what we want to accomplish, but focus on gentleness. We do this by finding out where people are at, by listening. Maybe you go to your neighbor and you say, hey, what are you feeling through this? Are you scared? And listening. And don't listen to, to discount what they're saying. Listen and say, you know what, I can, I can understand how you're feeling that way. Can I pray for you? And use those cards to reach out to name the care cards that are, are on the, the Facebook page. And we have some in the office if you dare stop by. But use those to care for people. We feed and correct through gentle care. Force feeding doesn't work on a baby. It doesn't work with people either. And so Ministering with gentleness means ministering with patience. A whole lot of patience. We move on to verse 8. And and point number 2 is, we're to minister by genuinely loving and yearning for people. Minister by genuinely loving and yearning for people. Verse 8 says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. And when we take that first phrase there, the point number three will be the second phrase, but that first phrase, as Paul says, we were affectionately desirous of you. Again, I, I always pictured Paul as this big burly man and, and t- tough guy, and he's saying, we, we really miss you. We really yearn for you. Our hearts are with you. We love you. In fact, NIV translates it, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you. What a beautiful way of wording it. And again, this word for affectionately, is, is it's actually not agape. It's not the word for love. It's an idea of yearning for or being affectionate to. It's, it was sometimes used of a mother's endearment of her baby in a nursery. And so he's carrying the theme of motherhood and babies on. And just like a, a mom and a dad and a, a mom will be yearning and thinking about her baby and loving and doting over her baby, that's the attitude Paul says we should have for everyone we minister to. Now that's hard sometimes. This does not come naturally. And so this this particular point is going to take a lot of prayer and a lot of the Holy Spirit working in us. But we're to have a constant yearning for the people we minister to. We're to be missing each other. 
it is right for us to miss getting together. It's right. Because we yearn for the people we minister to. We yearn for the people we minister with. Drives me nuts that the worship folder, the worship center is empty today. Because I miss you. And that's what Paul is saying. He, he yearned for them. Be consumed with how to love each other well. If you can shut off your, the, your neighbors from your mind, if you can shut off your family, if you can shut off your church family from your mind and say, well, okay, I, check, I cared for someone today. I am done with that. Then we're not doing what Paul says. Because he's, this, this yearning is a constant yearning. And again, thinking of the imagery of motherhood, a mom with a new baby, that is a consuming thought, right? It, because they, they need to eat like every three hours. And sometimes they sleep, if you're lucky. And, and it's, it's a constant, it's constantly on a mom's mind of how to help this baby survive and thrive. That's what Paul says ministry should be like. People should be constantly on our mind. We should be loving them. That's why it's hard to be apart right now. And this love and this yearning that a mom has for your, her kids, a mom will love her kids no matter what, right? Uh, we, we have funny phrases that talk about this. Oh, he has a face only a mother could love. Why do we have a phrase? It's referring to the, the, the kind of love a mom has that goes through everything else, the kind of yearning she has. It's mom that'll put the most hideous pictures, pictures on the fridge and say she likes them where dad's trying to take them down. I, I saw one of you post some crazy stuff this week that you put on your fridge. And I'm like, only a mom. But that's what we should be like. That's a God-given trait of what unselfish love looks like, of what unselfish care looks like. I can remember... And I'll, I'll talk to my mom who's usually sitting right there and she's not this morning. Um, I can remember making a poem and, and my, my sister would do all kinds of craft stuff. And so I, I, made, I got this piece of wood out and put this poem that I wrote out on a, a piece of paper. And it was all about decoupage back then. And you put this clear coating and everything. And, and I thought, you know what? Elmer's glue dries clear. And, and so I took Elmer's glue and smothered the wood and, and then put the poem down and smothered the top of it. And it was hideous. It was hideous, and mom loved it because she had this yearning for. So being affectionately desirous of you, Paul says, that's the kind of thing that motivates, motivates ministry. It says they delighted to share. They delighted in ministry. They were ready to share. It wasn't a drudgery. And we need to get that to that point with ministering to each other. We need to get to that point to ministering with, to those around us. It should be a delight, not a drudgery. It shouldn't be a chore, but something that we can't stop thinking about, so we have to do it. How are you going to bless people in this church this week without being together? How are you going to bless your neighborhood this week? That should be constantly on our mind. So what does it mean to minister in this way? We have to minister out of love and care. And you can't fake that. People you minister to know if you're being genuine. People around us, your neighbors, your friends, know if you're just checking off boxes on the checkbox, on the list. Or they know if you really care. Now that doesn't mean we don't do it if we don't care. The, the, the answer isn't to withdraw from ministry. The answer is to pray that God would change our hearts that we would start loving them like God loves them. That's the answer. And so if we're so consumed with our own fear, with our own worry, with our own anxiety, that we can't love each other, we've got to give that to God. Because this is time for the church to stand tall and to stand firm and to show that we have a firm anchor in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not the time to run scared. This is not the time to waver in our faith. And we see throughout Scripture this idea of love and ministry together. 1 Timothy 1.5, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, the goal of our instruction is love. 
the lifeline this week, studied 1 Corinthians 13. And right in the middle of spiritual gifts of ministering to each other is a whole chapter on love that wasn't written for weddings. It's great for weddings, but that's not why it was written. It was written to say, minister out of love. In fact, it says, if you do anything without love, it's worthless. And so the instruction from Scripture always comes back to a care and a love. Even with the neighbors you hardly know. Now's the time to get to know them. Even with the family members you, weren't, you wished you weren't in such close quarters with for 24 hours a day. It's hard. Now, let's be real. It's really hard sometimes because people get on our nerves. Because people annoy us. Usually that's from self-centeredness. But it, it's hard. You know, I, I loved the joke this week about uh, schools going well. I've only expelled one student. Well, we've got three. Now we have two. Yeah, it's hard. But can the Holy Spirit give us enough grace and patience and love to get through that? Absolutely. Pray that God will let you delight in people. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 just brings both points one and two together. The gentleness, the compassion with the love and yearning for people. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, which is sometimes translated gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against you, forgiving one another. We need to hear that during this time. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Amen. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So God's word to the, to the Colossians was the same thing. Be gentle, be loving, forgive each other. Above all, yearn for each other and have this care for each other. The second half of verse 8, I think is so powerful as well. And point number 3, a little bit longer, but I just didn't want to leave any of it out. Minister the grace of the gospel to others in both words and by inviting them into your life. Minister to others in both words and by inviting them into your life. See, I've seen people try both ways where we just preach and teach and then we walk away and and there's no interaction, no relationship. We sort of covered that in point two. And and that doesn't work. That's not effective. But then I've seen other people that are like, I'm just going to show them by my life who Jesus is. I'm just going to love them. And they never share the gospel and the person ends up in hell. Both have to happen. We have to speak the gospel and we have to do it in the context of opening up our lives to each other. And that's hard. We don't like to open our lives to to others because as soon as we open our lives to others, it opens the door for hurt. It opens the door for frustration. But listen to verse 8 and how Paul ministered. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, so they did share verbally the gospel of God, not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. And the word there is, is our own souls, the deepest part of us. We, we dropped our walls, we dropped the masks, and we really lived life with you. That's how Paul effectively ministered. And he says, because you had become very dear to us. And so you get two things out of there, A and B in your notes. The first is we actually have to share the gospel. Speak the grace of the gospel into people's lives. We need to be willing to give an answer for the hope that is in us. Sometimes we use the phrase that says, um, preach the gospel all the time and when necessary, use words. And and I understand the the, the idea behind that, that our lives, they're, they're focusing on the second part of this, that our lives should reflect the gospel. But I've got to tell you, it is necessary to use words. Both are true, and we'll get to that in a moment. Our neighbors need to hear how Jesus has impacted us. Now, now get the, in this time, this isn't the time to go knock on your neighbor's door and say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, and I have a track here that gives four parts of that plan. And, and I'm not discounting that. I, I know that that's been effective, but now our neighbors need to know that we care, and then we need to tell them why we care. We need to tell them what Jesus has done in our lives. We need to tell them that He has forgiven our sins. He has shown us grace. And He is with us. He is with us no matter what. They need to know the good news of God's grace and forgiveness. 
then maybe you can follow up with a track or some paperwork or something like that. But, but we need, they need to hear it from our own mouths because we're the lives that they're seeing. You can't separate the message from the messenger. And so Paul says, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel. We shared the gospel, but then that second phrase, which is so impactful and so, quite frankly, intrusive, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. Let her be there as we need to be willing to open up our own lives and include others. We need to be willing to open up our own lives and include others. What does this mean? It means personal involvement. It means living life with each other. It means finding out what they like, what they're doing, maybe going places with them, going to parties with them, whatever it is. It means, not right now when we're self-isolating, but it means entering each other's lives. It means letting them know some things about our own lives. It, 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 it means treating them as family. And that's the best way I can describe it. It means treating them as family. You know, Paul, again, is using the imagery of moms here, that moms are desirous of us, and, and moms just open up their lives, right? They, they minister with their lives. When do you stop being a mom? Which hours of the day do you get to turn it off? You can't. You can't. Or, or a dad, but he's talking, he's using the imagery of moms here. You, you can't turn it off because a mom is always on call. A mom is always a mom. And so us, if we are to minister to each other well, if we're to minister to our neighbors well, to our coworkers, to those around us, you've got to invest your life. We are always on call. We have to have that kind of transparency and authenticity that sacrifices time and lets people behind our walls. It's hard. You know, I've seen, I've seen different approaches to pastoring. And some of the pastors I talk to are like, I'm a pastor and I'm a pastor from nine to five. And then I'm going to shut it down and I'm going to go home, be with my family. And, and then tomorrow morning at nine, I'll start to pastor again. I have never once seen that be an effective way of pastoring. Never once. Because it's just trying to proclaim. It's just trying to teach. It sees pastoring just as the proclamation and teaching and not the life here that Paul is saying is part of it. Yeah, sometimes you get calls in the middle of the night. Sometimes you, you, you go visit and, and do things for others all times of the night as a pastor. Guess what? Sometimes you do that for your neighbor too, right? Sometimes you do that for family. That's called loving people. And that's the context that ministry happens. See, here's the thing. We're all family. We're all family. And so my family chooses to minister with you, with you all. And, and it's not that dad's going to minister. It's that we as a family are choosing to minister to you because you're family. It's a whole different mindset that we will, we will break down those walls and say life is is ministry. And it's not just pastors, it's all of us. Life to each other in this church is ministry. And I I am watching posts on Facebook from you guys where you're doing that and people are bringing toilet paper to other people and and, and pizza and whatever it is because the walls are down. We're like, we're living life together. I don't care what time it is. We're going to find a way to care for each other. That's from God. And that's one of the things we learn about ministry from moms. The other side of this is if we let down our walls, if we let people in, we have to be watching our own lives. We have to have a life worth modeling. If we have no hope, if your hope isn't in Christ, don't go try to tell your neighbor there's hope. Right? We've got, we've got to live a life of righteousness to God. We, if, if I'm talking to you about not sinning and living holy for God and ministry, my life better reflect it. Otherwise, I'm just a hypocrite in front of you. We don't want to be Christians in name only. But it's important that people see us as real people. Guess what? I sin. And you sin. And it's okay if your neighbor sees that, if they see the confession with that, if they see us go, hey, I'm sorry for for talking to you the way I did when you parked your car in front of my driveway and I couldn't get out. Okay, maybe don't add this last part in. (laughs) But we need to be real with people and let them see. You know, there's times that that I treat my kids 
in ways I wish I didn't. And I hope they know I try to go back and apologize for that. There's times I get angry. I would bet there's times you do as well. But are we modeling how God's grace works? Are we modeling how God's forgiveness works? We've got to watch our own lives. You probably don't want to go to a nutritionist that you watch eat junk food all the time. People don't want to hear about Jesus if they don't see that your life's about Jesus. We can get caught up playing the game. It is so easy to come on Sundays or to watch a live stream on Sundays and to say all the right things and do all the right things. That won't impact anyone. That won't be effective ministry. But when we're sold out for God, ministering for Him, and our lives reflect that, that'll be hugely, hugely effective. You know, in our families, we minister well when our kids see how we respond to food all over the kitchen, to the dog just knocking over the plant, to your darling son coming in covered with mud pies and leaving a trail in the house. Then our kids will see genuine spirituality. Or not. But we need to watch our lives. Talk truth, but model truth. Model it. So do we... I go back to these two things. Talk the gospel, share the gospel, speak it, actually share it, and being willing to open up our life. So which is more important? All kinds of talk. Well, okay, if you just live it or if you say it, which is more important? One, One author I was reading this week had a great illustration. He says, I sort of think of it as the two wings on an airplane. Which is more important? You lose either one, you lose the plane. And and, and that, to me, was a great illustration of we need to speak the truth and speak the gospel, but we also need to live it and live it right. John Wesley, when he was talking about pastors, he said his first concern was for a pastor's intimate friendship with God. And I would carry that over to my concern for you as you minister during this time, during difficult times. My first concern is your relationship with God. Are you finding hope in him? John Wesley went on to say, does he know God? Does he desire and seek nothing but God? Has he the love of God abiding in him? And I'd say that to you this morning. Do you know God? Do you have a desire for God and seek nothing but God? Do you have the love of God abiding in you? That's the kind of life that we can open up and live with people that will draw them to Christ. See, ministry involves sharing life. Introvert, extrovert, doesn't matter. It involves opening up your life. Maybe the difference is how many people you do that with, but there is no other way to minister. It means getting dirty. Every now and then I try to work on my car when I'm brave. And I always think, okay, this time I'm not going to get dirty. I have never been able to work on a car without getting dirty. Why? Because it's dirty. Ministry to an imperfect people always means getting dirty, means getting into the fray with people. It means sometimes getting hurt. It means sometimes they'll say things that that are just really frustrating. But you can't minister without sharing your life. You can't. It's impossible. Last lesson from mom for ministering well in difficult times. Verse 9. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil... We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. And oh, this describes mom so well. Let me read that verse again. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, the the hardships, the circumstances, the work is hard. You, You know that we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. And Paul here, we know from, from other writings, we know from here, he would go into town and he would, he would work. He would work as a tent maker probably or a leather worker. So that way he didn't have to be a burden. He didn't have to take any money from them. He didn't expect anything. Because for him, a servant doesn't expect. A servant doesn't ask. A servant gives. A servant serves. And so that was his goal is to live that kind of life. And it says he worked day and night. Probably they worked sunrise to sunset as a leather worker. And then he'd teach late into the evening. Or if if he was teaching during the day, he would work. This guy was burning the candle at five ends. Figure that out. But he said, it's worth it. It's worth it that we can proclaim the gospel to you. 
And so the example here, and, and I think of moms that way. Like we said, moms are always on call. They're willing to sacrifice anything. You know, we, we, we see it when we hand out the candies for Mother's Day and Father's Day. So my wife hands them out and she's like, yeah. The moms are like, oh, do you guys want some? And they're sharing with their kids. They're sacrificing. Dads are like, it's mine. Don't touch it. So true. Maybe that has happened in our home. But what an example for mom to say, I'm willing to sacrifice what's mine to be devoted to you. I'm willing to be selfless. And in this case, Paul was willing to debase himself and do the menial tasks, to do the ordinary tasks. See, in Greek culture, if you were a teacher, if you were well off, oh, you didn't do tent making. You didn't do manual labor. That was below you. You had others that could do that. Your people could. Paul says, now I'm getting in there and doing the normal work. The hard work. What does it mean to minister with this kind of devotion? It means being selfless. It means pouring yourself into it. And, and, and it is going to mean being sacrificial. You know, what, what happens if this goes on a couple of weeks? And I'm not saying it will or won't or however long it goes on. What happens if you have two cans of beans in your cupboard? Would you share one with your neighbor? I, I, I know that sounds sort of doomsday and, and, and yeah, but some of, you, some of your cupboards are already there. And I'd say share it. Be sacrificial. Why? Because we trust God to provide. And we have a whole church family behind us that can help us minister to others in this way. To, to, to minister sacrificially means getting way out of our comfort zone. It means stretching ourselves, even at personal inconvenience. Pastor AJ mentioned the care cards and showed those. Use those. And yeah, you may start getting requests that you're like, oh, people are asking for so much. They keep wanting groceries. They keep wanting prayer. They, you laugh because that's not that hard. When it means ministering to an eternal soul that needs Christ. Don't waste this opportunity that you have with your circles of influence. If we're not tired, if we're not a little overwhelmed with ministry and thinking about it, then maybe we need to give a little more. I know there's a balance there and I know we take care of ourselves and I'm not trying to go beyond that balance. But maybe it's okay to get up off the couch every now and then and do something for, for someone else. Maybe it's okay to write a note to somebody at Village every week or every day right now. Maybe it's okay to send that email. Maybe it's okay to video chat with people. Say, how are you doing? And I've asked our staff with the groups that they work with, be, be chatting with them, be videoing with them. Don't lose that connection. All that takes sacrifice, I know. I, you might have to interrupt Hallmark's Christmas movies this weekend that go on and on. And no, I'm sorry, I know some of you love them. The other part of sacrificial devotion is it needs to be selfless. We can't be looking for rewards or attaboys. A servant that does his job isn't congratulated. He's done his job. And, and when we think of serve others with sacrificial devotion, it's our job. It's what we're called to do because we're ambassadors of the King. We're ambassadors of Jesus Christ who sacrificed everything for our salvation. Who, while we were still sinners, came, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for our sins. That's sacrifice. That's commitment. And he took the penalty for our sins on himself and he paid that through his death on the cross, through his blood that was shed. And then three days later, he rose again and victory happened over death, over sin, over disease. Now, now I'm not saying that he's going to to heal it all right now. The, The effects are devastating. But we look forward to a day when there are no more tears, no disease, no virus. We know that when we are in eternity with him, all will be made right. All will be made right. So four different ways that we serve. Four different things we learn from mom. We learn that that we need to minister with gentleness. We learn that we need to minister by yearning for each other, by genuinely caring for each other. 
we learn that we need to minister by not only sharing the gospel, but opening up our lives to each other, even when it's hard, even when that's not our personality. And we learn that if we're to serve well in this difficult time, it's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some intentionality that goes way beyond normal life right now. We, we're all way beyond normal life, aren't we, at this point? <laughs> so, so let's just be abnormal together and minister and find ways to do that. I, I leave you with, with what I just said. Find ways to encourage someone in the church this week. Every day, maybe. Find a way to send a note electronically or, or handwriting. They have this thing called paper, too, just like a phone. Um, send a letter. There's nothing like getting a letter in the mail. But let's be intentional about encouraging each other, watching out for each other. This week, we're going to put um, on our Facebook group, I'm going to ask for people that want to partner with some of our, our at-risk congregation, some of those that are at the at-risk category. And um, I'm not going to put their names up, but I'm going to ask people to sign up to say, yeah, I'm willing to help out someone in the church. And that just means you're willing to pray for them, check in with them multiple times a week, maybe do some grocery shopping for them. We have some people that can't leave their home right now. We can do this. We can take care of them. We can minister well, even in difficult times. And so I'm going to ask people to, to put on, yeah, I'm willing to do that. And, and um, we'll set that up this week. We're rolling things out as quickly as we can in light of the new regulations that we are still the church. God has not lost control. God is working all things for his glory. And we are part of that. One last thing, if you can just take a picture of you guys watching today and post it on our Facebook group, it's a way that we have to still be community and to say, yeah, we are still the church, even though we're spread out all, all across Orange and L.A. County, we are still the church and we're still ministering together. Let's minister well in difficult times. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. What a timely passage to talk through as we think about being gentle to others during this time, Lord, as we think about genuinely loving our neighbors and not just retreating into our little shells, Lord, but to to fearlessly serve right now without anxiety, knowing that you are a God who is in control and a God who saves and our neighbors need to hear that. Lord, I pray that we would be the church on the move. We've already left the building today. But now let's leave our homes and be on the move, Lord, and find ways to minister for you. In Jesus' name, amen.